is a wrestling fan. Welcome back to your weekly dose of all that is pro wrestling from them boys from 607 Podcast. That's right, you are tuned in to 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, better known as hashtag 607TWS. And uh, this week we are coming to you from the ODPH Dungeon, the realest thing in pro wrestling. I am your host of 607TWS, but you better know me as the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich, and joining me in the co-pilot's chair as he does each and every week, but you know him better as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Are we ready to talk some pro wrestling, shall we? I hope everybody is, and uh, right now, if, uh, if I sound a little weird, it's because con crud finally got me days later yeah it's like I, kicking in i didn't i didn't feel it on monday but tuesday and today it's been crazy uh but it's, it's nice i'm not sick or anything i'm just a little congested and tired and all that happy jazz that goes along with going to a gigantic convention like new york comic con but we're back we're back safely uh we may or may not have seen dan Housen on the street uh, going into a gas station on our way to the Javits Center one of the days. Uh, I'm yes. just going to say, uh, obviously, he was not in his makeup and such. But since uh, I've seen him in many interviews, I know exactly what he looks like. And I'm pretty sure it was him. But uh, I wasn't going to yell at him on the street. Yeah, we don't want to blow his cover, but it was cool walking by. Especially not in uh, New York City. But hey, there's our. that's pretty much our only wrestling experience at New York Comic Con. Other than watching the wrestling shows that yeah, we watched I was, for this I, show. I, I was going to say, no, we were too busy doing some other things as uh, freelance press. It was a good time. Uh, definitely shout out to Fandom. Absolutely. Shout out to those guys. Shout out to my new friend, Ice-T. Yes. Uh, thank you, Ice. You're the best. And uh, thank you to everybody we ran into. We bumped into a few people, said so hi, gave out some stickers and such. So hopefully if anybody's listening for the first time and is from New York Comic Con, thank you for meeting up with us. With that being said, though, we got a big show here. Okay. Mm-hmm. We've got a big show. We got a lot to talk about. In the main event segment, we'll be talking all about WWE Extreme Rules. Extreme. That's right. And uh, we'll also be talking about the fallout from Monday Night Raw as well. In the mid card, though, we'll be talking about Game Changer Wrestling's Big Fight Club Weekend, Ooh. as well as that huge show that went down in Albany, New York. That's right. Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory. And in the opening, we're going to be talking about some AEW news. But before we can get there, Ken, tell the fine folks how to find yourself in the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Very simply, swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there with the Patreon, the public links. They're all right there on the front page. It makes it so easy. Parlay points. Going to have a new blogs count anywhere come out. Uh, Friday is where we're leaning at right now. Got to get some late minute stories coming on there. Also, the classified section, which you can check out. Friends of the show, stresses three of fine podcasts, uh, and all uh, lots so much more. Like honestly, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And of course, for everything three FN, find it at three fnpodcast.com. All the social medias are there. Also, our Patreon link, patreon.com slash three FN podcast for as little as one dollar a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content. Plus, on top of that, the T public link, links to the Twitch channel, links to friends of the show like the ODPH. Also, the musical directory where you can hear great bands such as Floodlands. Mm-hmm. Check all of them out. Of course, they do our opening theme right here on 607 TWS each and every week. Check out those bands and support them on Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp. 
And then there's the local sponsors like Dragon Master Games, who help bring these shows to you commercial free every week. Big shout outs to Dragon Master Games yes. for all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs. Visit them on the World Wide Web, DragonMasterGames.com. Well, that's enough of this. But unfortunately, I don't have the soundboard because you see. When we went to New York, <laughs> I had taken uh, some of the chargers I have and put them in other bags. They did not make it back into the computer podcasting bag. So I, I, I can't do, you know, Michael Buffer. And I can't do Bruce Buffer. And I can't do any of that. And that's all in the board. So you guys are going to have to just bear with us. So pretend that you hear Bruce Buffer saying, it's time. Ding, ding, ding. That's right. It's now time for the opening <laughs> contest. I did not make that at all. I, once again, my voice is the shit. But let's talk some all elite wrestling. Yeah, let's and do it. some huge news from AEW. They, and it was from an official, an official press release that we got. Mm-hmm. They have re-signed one John Moxley to a five-year deal. No specifics on how much money. I'm assuming big dollars. Oh, it's got to be big. I'm assuming. But we do know one piece of that bill is that he can only wrestle for All Elite Wrestling in New Japan Pro Wrestling, meaning he has to give up his independent wrestling dates. We're going to save part of that for the mid-card when we talk Game Changer Wrestling because that does come to play. Sure. However, also part of what I think was part of the deal is now we know that his wife, Renee, is also a member of the All Elite uh, Wrestling roster. I'm sure that had probably something to do with that. There was also something in the press release about him being a trainer Mm -hmm. or mentoring young kids. So there was a lot of interesting stuff in said press release. Ken M., my question to you is, uh, do you think this is the right move for All Elite Wrestling? And on top of that, why? I think it's a great move for All Elite Wrestling because they need some good PR. Like, in all honesty, Mm -hmm. these days, they need a win. This is a win because for the AEW faithful, they have their pillars, but they also have the wrestlers that really bleed AEW. Eddie Kingston is one. Ethan Page is one. Jon Moxley is somebody that I think has really reignited his fire for wrestling by coming to AEW. Granted, I think when he goes, in my opinion, to New Japan or GCW, he turns it up a different notch, and I think he's had some better matches there. But I think when he gets in AEW, and especially now that they need somebody to rally around with all the nonsense going on with Punk and the Bucks and Sammy and Andrade and all the drama that's happening there, he is now taking it upon himself with this contract and with this deal to be the face of AEW, the one that maybe is not the one that we thought at the beginning of the year he was going to be, but I think it's one that now with his role and then allegedly with everything that's coming in that he's going to be doing, uh, much like in the same sense like when Big Show got signed and Mark Henry heard about mentoring and coaching and doing all that kind of stuff, he's now taken on that role as well, and I think that if he can help right the ship to a good path after recent events, more power to him. I think this is huge for AEW. This is probably one of their biggest signings. I mean, I understand he was already there. Mm-hmm. And so it's not as sexy as like somebody new showing up. Sure. However, this is uh, shoring up the ace. I, we, we've been saying it now for over a month. 
uh, actually throughout the whole summer, that John Moxley is truly the ace of all elite wrestling, and they couldn't stand to lose him. Yeah. So it's smart on all business avenues to shore him up. It's smart to shore him up for only AEW and New Japan, trying to keep him as healthy and as happy as possible. It's, it's smart to bring in his wife if that made him happy. If that, I mean, I know it's not part of his exact deal, but I'm sure there was something to do with that. Oh, absolutely. Also, it's it's smart to put in there the language about working with young kids and mentoring because it looks like you know you know uh, Sh- uh, you know Shota there has been one of his uh, prime examples from New Japan, being his little uh, young boy. Mm-hmm. So it looks like he likes that role. So now. He can do that with young talent in all elite wrestling as well. So I think this is a big bucket of win for AEW. On a whole, I think it's a great contract for uh, Tony Khan to get done, especially with the language of the contract being that he is pretty much exclusive to, you know, AEW. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a big win. I mean, like I said, in the mid-card, we'll talk a little bit more about maybe the indie, uh, you know, impact of this. But, hey. As far as all elite wrestling goes, that's great. John Moxley's obviously going to get that bag. He secured the bag. Mm-hmm. That's always a big deal. I love to see people get that big bag. And uh, we'll see where we go from here. But yeah, keeping the ace at home is always a good sign. Let's get into some not so good signs. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, th- this week was a drama filled week. Oh my god! Yeah. I know. I know. We're coming to you on a Wednesday, which is unusual. Late Wednesday night, so most of you guys aren't going to hear this until Thursday. Dynamite is actually on as we're recording, unfortunately, so we're not watching it. Uh, but it was the only time we could go after New York Comic Con. It kind of screwed up the entire week for us. But it is what it is. We sacrifice for you. Yes. So coming into this week, though, more specifically last week on Dynamite, before that, there was an incident between one Sammy Guevara and one Andrade El Idolo. Mm-hmm. And it all spurns from, I guess, when they had a match together, I guess Andrade uh, gave him a couple stiff ones, which he's known to be a little, you know, he works a little snug. Sure. A lot of guys do. Yeah, there's nothing new. And I guess during an interview, Andrade mentioned that, hey, you know, I got a little snug with with Sammy, and Sammy whined like a little bitch about it. You know, hey, you just give it back. You know what I mean? Don't whine like a little girl. Mm-hmm. Kind of called him out a little bit, whatever, whatever. And then Sammy Guevara on Twitter shot back at him and said, you know, well, fuck you pretty much. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm not saying the exact quote, but, you know, hey, if you're, you know, you're so unhappy, so then just, you know, quit and go to, go to WWE like you want. Yeah, because I was playing into the angle they were going to run on a Rampage match where if he lost to 10 from the Dark Order, he was going to have to leave AEW. Right. So he's like, if that if you don't want to be here, we don't watch your show. Whatever, whatever. So there's some, some words exchanged. Mm-hmm. Andrade fired back. He fired back then, and there was nothing. Right. So then we come to the day of when, last Wednesday yep. for Dynamite, and I guess there's a little altercation in the back. We heard a lot of different things. From what it's come out now, and this is all allegedly because it's not like we've gotten hard concrete. Exactly. Andrade was wait, waiting for Sammy Guevara. He came up to Sammy Guevara, allegedly spun him around. Guevara said something. Andrade said something. And then Andrade smacked the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Literally smacked the shit out of him. Yep. Didn't even punch him. By the way, I, from what we understand, on purpose, because he was telling me he was a bitch and he was just going to smack the shit out of him. Yeah. That's, that's the report so far. That's the allegedly's. They pulled him apart. They sent Andrade home. Andrade suspended. Whatever, whatever. Sammy goes on to still wrestle in the main event that night, tagging with Chris Jericho. Yeah. Here's my problem. So I have a couple problems with this. Let's lay them out, and then we'll talk. Sure. So my problem with this is, first of all, this is not Sammy's first offense. Mm-hmm. It's his, see, he never throws a punch, which proves to me that I'm gonna say I'm gonna say what everybody's thinking. He's a bitch. He likes to run his mouth, and he likes to you know. We heard uh, John Moxley. In a, in a segment, say that a lot of you young guys, 
here in AEW like to run. This has happened after all this happened, like to run your mouth and write checks with your mouth that your ass can't cash. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what John Moxley said to Hangman Adam Page after all this happened. Right. So it sounds like Moxley was taking a shot at that. Mm-hmm. I I fully think he did. And I feel that it, that Guevara is a perfect example because remember, it wasn't that long ago that Moxley's really good friend, Eddie Kingston, mm-hmm. had a problem with Sammy Guevara running his mouth. He smacked the shit out of Sammy. Yeah. And he went home too. Hmm. And now, and now, Andrade has a problem with Sammy running his mouth. And some people said, well, he provoked, he brought up in the interview. Well, no, no, no. In the back, Sammy politicked and talked shit. So then he just brought that to light. That's all he did. Yeah. Instead of beating the shit out of him when it first happened. So now when he fires back, he's got a big mouth. Hey, it's time for you to get smacked. And once again, that person goes home and not Sammy. The common denominator is Sammy here in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And the reason he's not being punished, and I'm going to say it, is because he's Tony's boy. Yeah. TK and him, you know, he's at the wedding. They're having a good time. This is a problem. This is a problem. This is the same problem we ran in with CM Punk. CM Punk was running his mouth with the boss sitting right next to him, which led to a whole other situation. And the reason why is because the boss didn't de-escalate it. Instead, the boss thinks he's a fan or a mark or whatever the fuck he thinks. And this has been a problem as of late in AEW, and that is the bad press. And here we are a week ago when we're recording, and the same issue pops up its ugly head. So before we jump into my second problem, let's just go with that first problem. Do you think, Ken, in your opinion... Is this a problem with TK not knowing how to put aside friendships or Mark Hood or whatever the fuck it is and be a boss? And should Sammy Guevara be punished as well? Perception is reality, and that's a big fat yes. There's this is a this is a glaring issue. This is not the first time that Sammy has done something via social media, via running his mouth. And especially if you're gonna be a Twitter tough guy and call somebody out. This is a situation that everybody's safe behind a keyboard, but when you come across some people in real life, you really shouldn't learn to keep your mouth shut. He did not learn this lesson from Eddie Kingston, which is beyond me. But Andrade is another guy like that. that If you're going to say some disrespectful things, you can't sit there and think, oh, it's just Twitter nonsense and it doesn't matter. To some people, it's still real to them, damn it. And in this case, it was. Andrade handled it how he felt, allegedly. And then... Now he's getting punched, and then Sammy gets to skate. That's the thing that doesn't make any sense. It takes two people involved. Absolutely. So, so why is Sammy getting what is perceived to be preferable treatment, and it has to go back to either Tony or somebody else is putting a good word in for him? I don't know. But it just the optics of this is he is getting away with this nonsense. You would figure after the drama that happened last time where you had to rewrite an entire match that was going to kick off your biggest pay-per-view of the year. Let's not forget, Sammy and Eddie were booked to be the first match on All Out. And then th- that drama happened, and w- then magically people were in different matches. Hmm. Oh, yeah. And nothing happened. And that's a problem. Uh, I would like to point out that if if you really want to see Sammy get in trouble, just hire Lince Dorado yeah. and let him talk shit to Lince because, you know, Lince uh, still hasn't forgotten about uh, uh, that one girl's father still. Yeah. <laughs> is he there? Yeah. Uh, he, he even wanted to smoke. Uh, he was like, do you know where her dad is? Like, <laughs> yeah. I just saw that on the internet this past week. Oh, my God. Lince don't forget. Yeah, he don't forget nothing. He don't forget. Uh, so with that, though, here's the other problem I have. And this is the bigger problem. So the reason we were given why Sammy wasn't punished was because he didn't throw a punch. Well, at all out in that scrum, 
when all the drama happened with CM Punk and Ace Steel, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega, it has been widely reported, and both sides kind of matched up, including CM Punk admitting he threw the first punch, mm-hmm. that the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega never threw a punch. Yeah. So remind me again why they're suspended. Because once again, if Sammy Guevara skates and your reasoning for him skating is that he never threw a punch and by all reports and accounts, unless, you know, they're wrong, which they could be, but from all reports and accounts that have come out, including the statements that we've heard from the parties involved, the Bucks and Omega never threw a punch, but yet they are still suspended and Sammy got to skate. You tell me what's going on. The only way, okay, I want to stress this. I don't agree with this, but I can see possibly why this is not the case because the all out deal has legal ramifications. Like somebody threatened to press charges. The only reason I think that this didn't happen is there was no charges getting pressed. That's the only, only possible reason in my head that something's not going on. Cause we do know the all out scrum is a legal matter right now. Like that's the allegedly has been coming out. So I'm kind of running with that angle. This situation, we haven't had that, so I'm guessing because that did not go into that direction, that's the only possible reason. Because I don't understand why. The fact that you don't have a precedent set, and unfortunately, God, I hate that we have to come on the show every week and say about the drama of AEW, and yet we have the same situation happening over and over and over. You would figure after time number one, we would have precedent set that this is what happens if X goes down. If X happens, why is the result? Why is it that now we have whatever number of this nonsense going on? Seems like every week. It seems like every week, and yet you can't go to that playbook and said, well, this is the first case that happened. This is how we handled it. This is how we should do it moving forward. The fact that it just seems like it's a case-by-case scenario, but the cases all seem the same, doesn't add up. The precedent is already there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like an NFL ordeal, and we all know how well the NFL handles that shit. Yeah. I would, I'd like to point out, though, interestingly enough, we found out from LinkedIn that World Wrestling Entertainment, I know we're talking about AEW, but World Wrestling Entertainment is now advertising for a job for a backstage buffer. So pretty much somebody who is there and there's, there's any conflict, they get rid of the conflict, they settle it down between, mind you, there's no, no problems in their back that have been reported. Right. But I think after seeing all this shit in the bad press for AEW, WWE went, hey, we should probably hire, hire a conflict resolutionist just in case. Yeah. Um, not AEW, though. Like, that's the problem. AEW, hire somebody. And after you and I don't care that it looks like you're copying WWE now. Hire somebody. There's no shame in it. WWE is taking what you're, what's going fucked up in your company and is going, hey, even though that's not happening here, let's make sure that doesn't happen here and hire somebody for these reasons. You need to do the same. The fact that we have to open up what it feels like every single AEW segment is talking about the people fighting backstage instead of great in-ring action is an insult. Oh, I, I agree. Like, that's the thing. So there's no shame in copying WWE. And if anybody does, listen, you need to run a business, not a circus. And that is what your show is turning into. And the, and the problem is it does, in fact, affect the in-ring work. Because that night in the main event, you had Lay Sex Gods, as they were formerly known. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they're still calling them that or not. They didn't announce them that way. They Chris, did the pose for it. So Chris, say, Chris yeah. Jericho and Sammy Guevara taking on Daniel Garcia and Brian Danielson. Big time main event. And it took away from the main event because the crowd kept chanting, uh, fuck you, Sammy. Yep. Sammy sucks. And it wasn't like the normal, like, oh, he's getting he- uh, heat. It wasn't because, heel heat. It was- well, here's the problem, because Jericho was getting no heat at all. The 
Jericho. I was cheering for Jericho as normal. Mm-hmm. So the weird part about all of this is it affected that match. Yeah. And yeah, it didn't ruin the in-ring stuff. The in-ring match was a f- phenomenal, good match. I- I'll say that. I love that tag match. Told a great story. Oh, very and, solid and match. It, and it was a very good match. Mm-hmm. However, it does take and distract you when you keep hearing the, the, the crowd yelling, fuck you, Sammy, and chanting it very loudly and angrily. Mm-hmm. Just throwing it out there. It's It was supposed to be the three-year anniversary of Dynamite, and yet this stained the event. I'm sorry. It did. And the fact that it's now becoming the norm, this is where somebody, I don't know who, maybe it's Moxley in this new role, maybe it's Chris Jericho, maybe it's somebody in that back room needs to have a meeting and almost like a come-to-Jesus moment with the with the roster if, if Tony's not willing to do this. Because it, apparently it's not working whatever he's doing. Well, here's the thing, and this is going to carry us into our next topic here. And our last topic, as far as all elite wrestling is concerned in this opening contest, I think that you need, you you hit the nail right in the head. You need somebody back there for PR. Mm-hmm. And you need somebody to stop these motherfuckers from doing what they're doing. And not just the roster, though, including Tony. And I've said it time and time again, Tony going on, busted open radio and amping people up is fine because, you know, it... I, I'm not accusing anybody of being on a payroll because I know they're not. But, you know, access is access, and he does a good job there. But then, you know, he goes out and he does these other interviews, and they're terrible. And the scrums are terrible hearing him talk. Like, he doesn't talk and carry himself in any kind of a professional manner. Mm. And that is a problem as well because, perfect example, all-out scrum. Yep. Perfect example. As the boss, he should have stopped it and nipped that shit in the bud, and so we didn't have a problem. But instead, look what's happened since. And then that's snowballing. So when the when the head is not operating right, everybody else, the inmates are running the asylum. I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck what anybody says. Absolutely. And with hiring a PR person, maybe we should hire a media person as well to talk instead of Tony. That's like, that's what you should do. I mean, like, understand, like, if you can't define yourself the difference between being the owner and being a fan, that is a problem. Like, you can be a fan of your product, but at the end of the day, you're the face that is supposed to run the place because you are the head of the organization. You need to have a differential from that. Listen, I get being a mark of your product. Sure. I get, I get being a mark of yourself. I really do. And I'm not even going to shit on that. No. I get it. But once again, there needs to be somebody who's taking care of the professional stuff or else what we're about to talk about right now will continue to happen because in this, and I want, I'm going to read this exactly, and I, this is why I'm doing it. I am reading this exactly from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Hmm. This article was written by Brian Rose for Wrestling Observer. And the title of this, it came out on October 12th. The title of this is Ariel Hawani, colon, Tony Khan interview was one of the most frustrating of my career. Ready to, ready? And I'm going to read exactly from this article. Because it's from the Wrestling Observer, which is favorable. So you can't say that I'm bashing Tony or Khan and I'm not bashing AEW. Right, right. This is coming from a favorable source to them most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I quote, Ariel Hawani com- commented on a recent interview he conducted with Tony Khan saying it was one of the, in quotations, not so fun interviews of my career. On a recent episode of the MMA Hour, Hawani said his interview with Khan that took place last week was, in quotes, one of the most frustrating and, to a degree, not so fun interviews of my career, end quote. In uh, start quotes again, he didn't want to answer anything. Hawani said, you're going to come on and promote X, Y, and Z. Great. And I'll play that dance with you. I did at the beginning, but you got to give us something to not even tell me how you were feeling. I'm not asking for specifics. All right, fine. I am. But is punk going to wrestle for you? Is he coming back? You don't want to get into it. Fine. But tell me how you were feeling. Give me something. Uh, That was the end of that quote. 
During the interview, which was uploaded on October 5th, Tony Khan refused to comment on the backstage altercation between CM Punk, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks that took place September 5th. When asked about specifics regarding suspensions and the status of those involved in the fight, Khan again said that it was something he didn't want to talk about. AEW is not commented publicly regarding the fight or the status of Punk, the Young Bucks, Omega, Ace Steel, and others that were involved. Christopher Daniels, Brandon Cutler, and Michael Nakazawa, who were also suspended around the same time as others, returned to the company shortly after the fight took place. And that is the end of the article. Uh, before we go on, because Uncle Dave had a little tag to this, what do you think about Errol Hawani's comments, especially as being us, as being, you know, we're, we do our opinions and editorial here, but it's also a journalistic thing. And you went to school for journalism. What do you think about it? I thought it was very interesting. I mean, it is very telling that he's coming out and saying that. And especially if the information he was getting was not really jumping at him, like, you know, like that becomes a very difficult interview if you're not giving anything, if you're just going in there and just kind of dodging bullets. And that's what kind of, and that's the way I kind of interpreted that. But for Ariel to say that, I mean, who's always been very pro wrestling, everybody. I mean, like I say, he does cover a or WWE a lot, but it's not to say that he's ever said anything bad to my knowledge about AEW. So with, or, I mean, he's covered WWE. It's one of those situations that I think if Tony's going to be doing this media stuff, this is maybe where somebody needs to do a little coaching with him and kind of guide him in this situation because I can understand you want to tip anything off. And if you're feeling a certain way, a, a day of the interview comes up and something's going on, you don't want to say anything. Like, obviously, the punk situation is a hot topic. You don't want to tip off anything. Obviously, there's a lot going on with that. There's so many moving parts. But it's a situation that if you're going to be doing interviews, you got to give him something. Uh, agreed. And once again, there's a professional way. And once again, you might not be able to talk about it. So just say it. Yeah. This is where somebody be more personable would be able to get it passed. Mm -hmm. You just like, if I was in the same position, if I'm Tony Khan in this position, my response to Ariel, who's a big, mind you, Ariel Hawani is a huge reporter in the fight game. Oh, absolutely. And he's now getting into wrestling a little bit. He's done wonderous stuff with WWE currently. So why wouldn't AEW want to be on there? And Ariel Hawani has made it very clear that he is not a WWE employee. Exactly. Yes. And he, it, there's no favoritism. He's a journalist. The same way he has no favoritism to the UFC or Bellator or anybody else. Mm -hmm. He's a journalist that covers combat sports, whether it now, which now includes wrestling. So it's pretty cool that somebody with the following of an Ariel Hawani gets an interview with you. Mm -hmm. Triple H has been on an Ariel Hawani show. MJF has been on an Ariel Hawani show. Yep. As a matter of fact, he opened up quite a bit about his situation on Ariel Hawani show. Yeah. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. And it gets you good press because now you're being carried in front of a lot of people. So for Tony Khan to go on there, and if I'm Tony Khan, knowing all of this, my answer is this. Well, you see, it's a tricky question, Ariel. Unfortunately, there is stuff tied up in an investigation, so I can't really tell you what's going on. I can just tell you that they are suspended indefinitely until said investigation is over. But as soon as we're allowed to share that information, because, you know, there might be some legal stuff involved, and, mm -hmm. and my legal team has told me not to, uh, you know, disclose anything going on. Until that happens, we can't talk about it. But I would love, when that all comes out, I would love to sit down and talk to you about it again. Yeah. That's how you handle it. Exactly. And then he goes, oh, so I'm going to get something in the future. And he answers the question to all of us fans that they're indefinitely suspended until pending the investigation. Yeah. Fine. Perfect. But it wasn't just that. You know, he would go on to say, like, he didn't even want to tell him how he felt. Yeah, like, that's the thing. If, if you don't want to be there, like, if you have a change of heart and you don't want to do the interview, just cancel the interview. Like, that's the whole thing. Absolutely. But if you're coming on there, and, and like I say, this is perception is reality. So, I don't know what Tony was feeling that day, but it's a situation that you know you're going to be on a very public platform. Ariel Hawani has an audience. 
that is stretching. A massive audience. A massive one that covers many genres of combat sports slash sports entertainment. And this is a situation that you are now going to have the AEW brand going to many, many new eyes and ears. The fact that you just went in and more or less Marshawn lynched the interview because you're just, uh, you know, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Like, I'm just here because I have to be here. Like, that's kind of the vibe that came off of it. It's doing a disservice to your product. And this is, like I say, I would get with somebody that can do some media coaching to really build you up because if this is what you were told is just kind of dodge everything and just kind of be bland, why would I, as a new listener, come in and go, wow, I really want to check that product out when it was a snooze fest? Like, that's the whole thing. Interviewing is something you and I have both done in various different forms with you know actors, authors, and so forth. Getting something out of them and having a regular conversation is what's the enticing part, is letting your audience know about what you, the guest, is thinking. And that's where you're kind of challenging with Tony and the fact that he just kind of came out there and didn't want to say anything. Like I say, I don't know if he was feeling a certain way, but this is like whoever his PR team is, in my opinion, should just coach him up better and just like, like listen, you might not want to say it, but maybe you should have gone about this way so next time you have a better chance. The problem is I don't think he has a PR team, and I don't think anybody – he doesn't have to answer anybody, and that's the problem. Yeah. I will say this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a brief defense. And this is just me playing devil's advocate because I'm agreeing with you. You already heard my take. Mm-hmm. But my devil's advocate is this. Maybe this is what Tony Khan is, has done. He is so used to being in the wrestling world where, let's be honest, for better or for worse, most of the wrestling world has kissed his ass for the entirety mm-hmm. of AEW. Uh, some people are now starting to come around. Yep. Uh, we've now seen the, the, you know. The pendulum is swinging. The pendulum has swung uh, to the point that wrestle talk is now saying bad things about them, uh, you know, other thing, other places. I won't give up your publication's name, but other places are talking bad about them mm-hmm. and saying the problems with them. It's no longer where you go to the, you know, the likes and dislikes about Dynamite. Yeah. Where no matter what would happen, it was always a like, a like, a like, and maybe two dislikes. Now you're starting to see a little more honesty from the media because, once again, when your competition gets better, that is what's going to, going to happen. When WWE came back and they swung the big axe back around, which is going to happen, that's what's going to, that's what's happening. And instead of focusing on the product, I feel like he is trying to do the right things and grow the business and maybe open up, but he is so used to talking to wrestling people who will not ask him certain questions that when you sit across from a real reporter, a mm-hmm. real journalist, and I'm not trying to I'm not throwing shade at people in the wrestling world. No, absolutely. I'm just saying that Ariel Hawani, though, you know. there is not a wrestling personality journalist including Uncle Dave, and this is not a shout out to Uncle Dave because mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about him in a second, including Uncle Dave, who's probably the biggest journalist in all of wrestling, that has a bigger audience than Ariel Hawani. Yeah. There is none. I promise you that. Go ahead. Go look. Mm-hmm. Look it up for yourselves if, if you don't believe me. Ariel Hawani carries a heavy, heavy weight. Ariel Hawani has had has, has had to make, uh, has made Dana White bend the knee even. Mm-hmm. Dana, Dana White had to kiss it up, up to him after banning him. Yeah. To get him to cover UFC again because that's how much weight he carries. And you don't see Dana White kissing much ass out there. I'm just going to throw it out there. No, you're exactly right. Like I said, it's it's true, though. I mean, like I say, it's a difference from the wrestling world. And like I say, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. It's not a shot against him. But there's the wrestling world and then there's outside the wrestling world. And if you're trying to make that crossover like WWE has done to pop culture. Well, yeah, WWE is like doing deals with Sports Illustrated, right. ESPN, Ariel Hawani. Like they've they're, they've been mainstream for a while. Exactly. So if you're trying to grow your brand in your own path on that same direction, you have to be willing to go cross over into that world 100. percent That's the thing. Like it said, it's true. 
it's a different world in that environment, and that's where you have to adapt your methods too. If you're not willing to adapt it, you're going to struggle, and you're going to have moments like this where now a whole pop culture audience is looking at your organization going, why should I tune in? Meanwhile, you know the, the diehards that drink the Kool-Aid are going to be there each and every week. You have them hook, line, and sinker. If you're going to grow this brand, and you're now in year three of your TV show, you need to grow that further because if you're staying stagnant at your current rating, what are you doing if you're not growing? So bringing me to Uncle Dave, because Wrestling Observer is Uncle Dave's mm-hmm. bread and butter. That is, that's his company. This article came out earlier today on Wrestling Observer. So about three hours ago, somebody had brought up to Uncle Dave, hey, have you seen, Have did you hear what Ariel Hawani said? It was an AEW fan. Have you heard what he said? You know, kind of in a negative situation. So Dave Meltzer, and I'm going to read the quote tweet, said, send me a clip, haven't seen it. So somebody else, before they send the clip over, somebody else, and somebody does send him the clip, but somebody else chimes in and says, he said it was one of the most frustrating interviews of his career, then went on to call people who think AEW is better than WWE a liar, yada, 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 which I do believe he did. That brings us to Dave quote tweeting that quote and saying, and I quote, this is Uncle Dave, just saw it. He had the right to be frustrated with the interview. I've been as well... I have been as well with covering AEW of late, which I talk about all the time, so can't disagree. I'll talk more later. Not enough space here. So mm, that is Uncle Dave, who has telling. been on the side of AEW for a long time, and we've started to see him kind of go, wait a minute. I can't agree with all these things, possibly to do with his boys getting, you know, whatever. Yeah. And now he's saying, hey, I've been frustrated too. And he has the right to say it. But Dave, giving him credit, is a journalist. Yeah. Whether he's an honest journalist or not, you can debate yourselves. But he's a journalist. So as a journalist, he understands what Ariel Hawani went through in that interview. Mm-hmm. So I, I I give big kudos for, for Uncle Dave saying, hey, this is the truth. He has all the rights to be fr- – I, after I heard what he said, yeah, fuck yeah, I'd be frustrated too is basically what he was saying Yeah. in a nutshell. And saying, hey, I have been frustrated lately with them in dealing with interviews and such. So this is where you need to hire a PR people. So right now, AEW. You've listened in the past. I know you've heard the show. Yes. And I know you've listened in the past because we'll say something and all of a sudden something will happen. Yeah. This is what I need you to do. <laughs> I need you to go out and hire somebody to be a conflict resolutionist in your in your locker room or or just give Glock Anderson his Glock back and let him take care <laughs> of business. Either way, it'll work. Yeah. I promise you. It's true. And then secondly, hire some PR people and hire a media face for the company. Tony, I understand you're under a lot of stress. You are running a football team both in America and abroad. Yeah. <laughs> and then the wrestling stuff. There's no way you are not burning both ends of the candle. You're wearing too many hats. I think it's time to take a step back. I agree that you might not want to give that control to wrestling people in certain cases. The PR part is is one of those. Hire somebody to be your media face and your PR person. It would be the smartest move right now. Make it Renee. You could. Yeah, put, let her be the face and voice of AEW as you need to talk to media outlets outside the wrestling world. That would be perfect. Even inside the wrestling world, let her be the voice. Renee Peckowit would be amazing at that job. And that is somebody that can definitely talk to the media and present stuff. And, like, listen, this is what you need to do to focus on your other ventures. You just are wearing too many hats. We want to see the product succeed. You need to allow people to help you with it. Like trying to be the one-man show and juggle as much. You're dropping all the dishes. It's not working. Do this and start fixing that product because obviously right now it has been a rough stretch, and now it's showing when 
the voices are now getting louder than the whispers. Absolutely. Well, with that being said, that is going to bring us to the end of the opening contest of this week's edition of 607 TWS. We are going to take a brief break. When we come back, it is going to be the mid card of the show. We're going to talk Game Changer Wrestling Fight Club 2 and also Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory right after this break. Welcome back to the mid-card of this week's edition of 607TWS. Pretend Ken M has his bass and the mid-card song is playing right now because, once again, I don't have the soundboard due to me forgetting a very important adapter. But, uh... Oh, yeah. There you go. Pretend it was there. All right, let's go ahead and jump right into the mid-card. we got a couple things to talk about. Let's start with Game Changer Wrestling as they had a huge weekend. Oh, my God, yeah. Fight Club in Atlantic City, New Jersey from the Showbo Hotel in Casino. Well, technically Arcade, Family Fun Center, if you will. Yes. Also, uh, one of the shows came from the boardwalk. Literally. Here, literally. literally. And it was standing room only, and that was night one of Fight Club. We're going to talk about it right now. It went down on this past Saturday, the uh, 8th of October, and guess what? Mm-hmm. It was on Fight.tv. Yes, it was. Your commentators for the night were Dave Prazak, Nick Knowledge, and MLJ jumped in a few times on the commentary. Ready to talk about that first? I'm going to run down the card Hell real quick, yeah. and then we'll give our overall thoughts. How about that? Let's do it. Uh, first up, we had a six-way scramble match where originally it started out as a five-way. Mm-hmm. And then during the match, another person got entered, and that was the person who ended up winning because making his return to Game Changer Wrestling and wrestling in general, Leo Rush defeated B-Boy, Blake Christian, Gringo Loco, Jimmy Lloyd, and Shane Mercer in 11 minutes and 54 seconds. And there was a little standoff between one Blake Christian and Leo yes, Rush to end this match. Indeed. Uh, next up, Shun Skywalker defeated... All Elite Nick Wayne, 10 minutes and 46 seconds. Sawyer Wreck continues that winning streak in Game Changer Wrestling as she defeated Allie Catch in 8 minutes and 7 seconds. Our favorite asshole, Tony Deppin, defeated Yamato in 8 minutes and 37 seconds. In a tag team war, Los Macizo, Ciclope, and Miedo Extremo defeated Cole Raderick and the bad boy, Joey Janela. 11 minutes flat. There was a little miscommunication between the Janela and uh, Cole train because, of course, they were fighting on night two. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that in a minute. 
Uh, next up, returning to Game Changer Wrestling, Jonathan Gresham defeated the East Coast ace Jordan Oliver in 10 minutes and one second. Uh, in a tag team death match, Drew Parker oh. and Rena Yamasha defeated Alex Colon and his replacement partner of the Bulldozer, Matt Tremont, because, of course, John Wayne Murdoch was injured and could not appear. Next up, we had Effie defeat Shota. Four minutes and 34 seconds, or Shuda, depending upon what you want. Technically, his name is pronounced Shoda, mm-hmm. but everybody calls him Shuda because of John Moxley. Yes. And in the main event in the evening, in a fucking death match mm-hmm. for the Game Changer. Well, actually, technically, it was on one end for the Game Changer Wrestling World Championship, and on the other for the career of Nick fucking Gage, your champion, John Moxley. Being challenged by the man, the king, king the, the god, god of this shit. shit, Nick fucking Gage. And at the end of the day, uh, 21 minutes and 8 seconds and new Game Changer Wrestling World's Heavyweight Champion, Nick Gage with a little bit of help from the firm. Yes. Not that Nick Gage is in bed with the firm, but it seems like MJF sent uh, Morrissey and, uh, of course his personal agent mm-hmm. to uh, disrupt some things and cost John Moxley, the game changer wrestling world's championship against Nick Gage. There's an interesting part of this story though. The interesting part is after the match, Nick Gage got on the microphone as Nick Gage only can. Yes. And he said some things. And the first thing he said is he wanted to thank John Moxley and that he respected Moxley. And the reason he respected Moxley is because the other shit company didn't want him there that night, and John Moxley told them to fuck off, and he would do whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. This is after the contract signing. It appears, don't know how true it is, don't know whatever, but Nick Gage is a straight shooter. Yes. Nick, according to Nick Gage, the allegedly is that Game Changer, or Game Changer Wrestling was almost without their main event because AEW didn't want John Moxley in that match. And in that case... I don't know if they wanted him just to send the title back or whatever, but kudos to John Moxley for coming out and defending that title. What's your thoughts about how that all went down? I thought that was very telling. I thought when Nick cut that promo in the middle of the ring, and obviously this is his moment, I thought there was some smoke to that fire 1,000%, and I don't know what that's going to mean for the future with GCW and AEW slash ROH wrestlers. I don't know. I, I think that the line was drawn in the sand. We've said before, there's this interesting thing where it feels like Tony Khan has a little bit of, and I'm, I'm saying this, and I guess some people at home will think I'm crazy, but jealousy of well, Game Changer Wrestling. Because at the, at the, what, what Tony Khan wants with AEW is to be the cool, hip wrestling promotion, and somehow they're, they are to an extent with certain people, but there's a whole underground that, appreciates Game Changer Wrestling more. And here's the bigger kicker. Tony Khan is an ECW mark. AEW has never been treated the ECW way. Meanwhile, GCW is treated like it's the new ECW. Uh, Do you believe there's smoke to that fire? What's your opinion? I was just going to say the same thing. We all know Tony's love affair with ECW. And the closest thing to the 90s vibe of ECW is present-day GCW. And if you're mad because your baby, AEW, is not that because 
it maybe was intended to be that, but it obviously has shifted into a different direction. I can understand where there might be some jealousy to a degree, but with actions like that that are getting perceived, obviously not letting, you know, with Moxley and not letting him wrestle in GCW where he's came out publicly and said how much he loves wrestling the GCW, you got to think there's some truth to that. You have to think just with the optic test. I'm glad you said the thing about Moxley. I'm going to put that in the back burner for just one second. I will say this. was it is it smart for Tony Khan to keep John Moxley from doing death matches? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I no, don't no. think there's anybody who's going to lie and be like, oh, no, it's a great idea for John Moxley to do death matches. So I, on one hand, if that's the case, I understand protecting your investment. I also understand, once again, kudos to John Moxley for getting that bag. Mm-hmm. I will never be mad about somebody getting the bag. Oh, sure. Absolutely. The one thing that does bother me, and I'm glad you said what you said about the John Moxley thing. The one thing that bothers me, and this is as somebody who has met Moxley, who has worked with Moxley in the past, mm-hmm. what I found troubling is it wasn't that long ago that John Moxley was doing interviews where he said he lived for uh, GCW and Revolver Wrestling currently. Yeah, It wasn't long ago that in his book he even wrote that he felt more alive in front of a GCW crowd than he did in front of 70,000 people at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Right? That That's in writing. That is a quote, yeah. So you were, but you were willing yeah. to give it up just because of this contract. Once again, get the bag. I agree. And I, once again, I'm defending AEW. I think AEW should be stopping their wrestlers. I've said it before from oh wrestling God, yeah. and getting hurt. I mean, IE, that is the reason why Phoenix. your current, well, Phoenix happened, but currently that is why your AEW women's world's champion, Thunder Rosa is on the shelf. She didn't get injured working for AEW. She got injured working in an indie show. So therefore, you got to, there's smoke to this fire on AEW side, and I'm with them there. But on the John Moxley thing, as a fan, not as anything else, not as a person who is a booker in this business, not as a person who understands the wrestling business, just as a fan, I'm kind of disappointed that he sold out. Just saying. Well, I think as a fan, yeah, I'm with you because when it's like when your favorite band gets signed to a major label, you know, it's not indie anymore, and you know, you understand it's going to be different. It's the same kind of feel here, and especially with Mox. I mean, I remember when you and I and uh, Crazy Curse were at New York, and he was facing Tony Depp, and he gave that speech after the match, and you know how much he loved GCW and just the vibe of that. It was one of the situations where it's like, when you see that and you hear that and you hear the passion in his voice, and like Mox is is a straight shooter, just like Kingston and you know everybody else that you you would define as such. To see him like go for this direction and have that taken away from him, the option of going to a GCW or a Revolver, that's a very big sign. But then again, it might be a situation where he knows that the money is too good, he can't say no to. And I don't blame him for getting the bag. I, I, will, I agree with you completely. In that profession, get as much money as you can. I will oh, never fault you on that. I agree. I mean, famously, Kevin Nash said that he was once told by the legendary Wahoo McDaniels, the only thing real in this is the miles and the money. Yep. And guess what? That's 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 absolutely true. So I don't, I'm not mad at him, Madam. I just said this just is a little point in me as a fan that's disappointed just because knowing what he has said and then this. And But once again, take the bag. Yeah. All day long. I'm not going to boo John Moxley. I, I still love John Moxley. Oh, absolutely. Same I'm, here. I just want to say that that just that part, it bothered me a little bit, but that's because. I'm a fan at the end of the day as well. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, when you, especially with the wrestlers that bleed a certain company. And like you could say, like he bleeds AEW. He also bled GCW too. Like I said, he would always cut those speeches. Like I say, I, I'm paraphrasing when you, after he wrestled Tony Duffin in New York. But, I mean, he gave the whole thing about co-signing on GCW and how much he loved being there. I mean, he did that right before uh, 
you know, after the match with Blake too. It's like like yeah. he's 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 always had that vibe to it. So to see it, you know, go away now, yeah, it's bittersweet. But kudos to him for doing the right thing and dropping the belt the right way. Yes, exactly. So if if whatever Nick Gage was saying was true, which once again I don't have any reason to not believe Nick Gage. Same. I will point this out that uh Kudos to John Moxley for doing the right things. And that's why he's fucking awesome. Yes. If you want to know why John Moxley's awesome and he deserves you being a fan of his, yeah, you can be a little disappointed because he's gone from Game Changer Wrestling, and I know some fans are, myself included, to a little bit. But at the class act that John Moxley is, we should all applaud that and cheer him on and support him no matter where the fuck he is because he's awesome. So there, there I said it. On the record, I love John Moxley. So... Let's move on to the following day, which would be Sunday, 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 uh, October the 9th. Uh, first up, Jersey Championship Wrestling had JCW versus the World. That went down at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time from the Carousel Room. They were inside for this one mm-hmm. at the showboat in Atlantic City. And this is for free. You can watch it right now over on the Game Changer Wrestling YouTube channel. So just go and subscribe or just stop, pop in and watch it. Give it a watch. Very good show. Let's run down the card real quick. Uh, in the opening contest, two hot Steve Scott defeated Shota, seven minutes and 23 seconds. In a six-way scramble match, Bam Sullivan defeated Axton Ray, B-Boy, Big Vin, Dustin Waller, and Janai Kai in seven minutes and 41 seconds. Next up, our favorite asshole, Tony Deppin, defeated Skade in eight minutes. Uh, in a tag team match, Young, Dumb, and Broke, Charlie Tiger, and Ellis Taylor, with Jordan Oliver in their corner, defeated Shaza McKenzie, making her return to the States mm-hmm. and GCW. So it was nice seeing her. And Sumi Sakai in 9 minutes and 45 seconds. Great match, by the way. Probably my favorite match, or my second favorite match on this card, only because the next match, we got to see Jonathan Gresham defeat the Pride City OG Alec Price Yo. in 9 minutes and 36 seconds. This match was tremendous. Mm-hmm. Sawyer Wreck defeated Jungle Kiona in five, 6 minutes and 55 seconds. Fucking Charles Mason. God damn it. Defeated Yoya in 10 minutes and 24 seconds. And in the main event of the evening, they had to reschedule this around because originally we had a death match slated against Slade versus Hoodfoot. <laughs> but then there was a, a tweet that went out that said that Slade was de- being detained by the Atlantic City Police. Yep. Because he was on the boardwalk swinging a board around and committing, in quotations, terrorist Terrific. acts yeah. on civilians. Do not know how true or false this is, and I don't want to know how yeah, true I, or false Yeah, no, this no, I'm leaving this one well enough alone. But filling in in that match would be Mr. 3 P himself, your current one half of the Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Champions, Alex Colon. And Alex Colon defeated Hoodfoot in 10 minutes and 44 seconds. Great card. Yes. Go check out all the JCW shows over on the Game Changer Wrestling YouTube channel. Let's get to the second part of Fight Club. And on the second part of Fight Club, which also went down on the 9th of October at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time from the Carousel Room at the Showboat in Atlantic City. Uh, on the commentary for this, you had Dave Prazak, MLJ, Veda Scott, and Nick fucking Gage stopped by your Game Changer Wrestling World Champion. In the opening contest... Leo Rush, two for two in scramble matches as Leo Rush defeated Alec Price, Axton Ray, Dustin Waller, Sawyer Wreck, and Shane Mercer in eight minutes and 17 seconds. Second match was Blake Christian as he defeated Shun Skywalker, 11 minutes and 42 seconds. Making her return to Game Changer Russian, Masha Slamovich defeated Gringo Loco in eight minutes and 22 seconds for the upset of the weekend. Fantastic match. 
the win streak for Masha <coughs> continues on. Mm-hmm. The next match was for the DDT Extreme Championship and the GCW Extreme Champion. Your DDT Extreme Champion, the bad boy, Joey Janela, going up against the King of Wreck Shit Mountain and your Game Changer Wrestling Extreme Champion, Cole Radrick. Oh. This match was brutal. Oh, my God, 15 yeah. minutes, 42 seconds at the end of the day. And your new Game Changer Wrestling Extreme Champion and still your DDT Extreme Champion, the bad boy, Joey Janela. Next up, we had a tag team match. Bussy, Ali Catch, and Effie, former Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Champions, took on these Coast Ace, Jordan Oliver, and all Nick Wang to a no contest. Mm-hmm. 10 minutes and 55 seconds. Shit just hit the fan. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Good shit, though. Yes. Next up, Yamato defeated Speedball Mike Bailey in another gigantic upset. 15 minutes and 13 seconds. Great match, though. Next up, we had the King of the Freedom world title death match. Your champion, Drew Parker, defending against one half of Los Macisos, Miedo Extremo. This match got 11 minutes and 52 seconds. And at the end of the day, Drew Parker, still the uh, King of Freedom world champion, and Miedo Extremo fucking went through like a separated shoulder at one point. Yeah, in this, this match. was sick. Put it back in and continued on. Just came oh. up short. He said that uh, hey, when he gets better, he wants another. He wants to run it back. Yes, and you think they should because it was a great match. Next up, we had a six-man tag team match. The second gear crew, one called Manders, Mance Warner, and Matthew Justice taking on the – basically, they were the young guns here. Yes. And, uh, and Jimmy Lloyd – well, technically, it was, they called themselves Wasted Youth because it was Jimmy Lloyd, Dylan McKay, and Marcus Mathers. This match got 13 minutes and 25 seconds. Aww. And the um, – <laughs> The second gear crew beat the shit out of them boys. Yes, they did. They made them realize that, uh, you know, if, if they, this ain't a fucking game. Yes. It was pretty awesome. And in your main event of the evening for the Game Changer Wrestling Ultra Violent Championship, of course, it's a fucking death match. Your champion, Rina Yamasha, taking on Ciclope, the other half of Los Macisos. Yo. This match got 20 minutes and 20 seconds. This match was crazy, good, you name it, at the end of the day. And still your Game Changer Wrestling ultraviolet champion, Rina Yamasha. This this was a great card on a night two for usually usually night twos in Atlantic City can be a house show. This was a great match. I thought, I thought night two was better than night one, to be honest with you. I really thought. In a lot that, of ways. I really thought that this, this delivered. Janela and Radrick was a human demolition derby. Like, the amount of shit those two did to each other was freaking sick in all the most disturbing ways. Janela was taking wild bumps this weekend, too. I know the, the uh, what you call it, the, the riser ladder there? Yeah, yeah. Whatever the construction the car scissor, there. The scissor lift. Thank yeah. you. Yes, that's what I'm blanking on. Yeah, he jumped off the top of that thing, and I thought he broke his arm. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. But uh, Los Macisos, dude, they had great singles matches the entire weekend. Um, I wish uh, we would have had a, a clean finish with Bussy and uh, Oliver and Wayne, but you know Charles Mason doing Charles Mason. Charles Mason is a piece of shit. Yeah, and uh, you know Masha is back, and Masha, Masha might be my new wrestler of the year right now. Masha's up there. Masha is in that conversation. I mean, we're going to talk about Masha here in a second because let's switch gears. Let's go over. Uh, by the way, uh, Game Changer Wrestling will be in Mexico this upcoming weekend. Mm-hmm. The following weekend, they'll be back on Fight.TV with a uh, Columbus, Ohio, yes. and Detroit, Michigan. We'll be talking about that on next week's show. But let's switch it over. Let's switch gears to Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling had their biggest show of the year, mm-hmm. Bound for Glory 2022 this past weekend in our neck of the woods. Albany, New York, yes. at the Washington Ave Armory. Uh, your commentators for the evening, Tom Hannafin and Matthew Redwalt. Mm-hmm. 
Are you ready to talk? Bound for glory. I would love to talk about this card. All right, let's start off on the only pre-show match for the Impact Wrestling Digital Media Championship. Your champion, Brian Myers, going up against a mystery opponent that ended up being Dirty Dango. Mm -hmm. The match got seven minutes and six seconds. And still, your Impact Wrestling Digital Champion, Brian Myers. How'd you feel about the match? thought the match was very, very solid. Great way to open up the card. Absolutely. And then we're going to kick it right on over because the actual card proper started with an Impact Wrestling X Division Championship God. match. Your champion, Speedball Mike Bailey, defending the title against AEW's Frankie Kazarian. This match got 12 minutes and 30 seconds. And at the end of the day, and new Impact Wrestling. X Division Champion Frankie Kazarian did not see this one coming, but incredible match though. Love this match. Next match up was a knockouts division match, but more importantly than this, it was a retirement match because, as you know, every match that Mickey James is in from here on out in Impact Wrestling, if she loses, she retires. Mm -hmm. So all of them are retirement matches, and. Uh, this night, she would go up against Mia Yim. This match got 10 minutes and 58 seconds. Guess what? Mickey James still not retiring because she defeated Mia Yim. Great match, by the way. Great match, but you know what? I, I thought this was going to turn out the way it did, but still a great match nevertheless. I want to throw this out there. There was three women's matches on this call. Yeah, Impact Wrestling knows they how do, to do and, and this was the worst of the three of the three women's matches. Yes, I agree. But it was still really good. It was still really good. Like I say, it was just <laughs> that's how much quality they have in their women's division. Like Impact should get applauded for it because they do some great work. You know, we don't grade matches usually, right? But like, if you were to grade this, I would say this is easily a BB plus match. Oh, uh -huh, yeah. And this was the worst women's match on the card. Exactly at BB plus. Yeah. Like so. <laughs> That Listen, says that speaks volumes. The, the knockouts division is the best women's wrestling in all of pro wrestling. Facts. That I fucking said it. Facts. I fucking said it. Anybody wants to at me on that, go ahead. Because I'm telling you right now, this is. In, and when we go over, because next up we have another women's match, the second of the three, and this one was a banger. This is an A all day for the Impact Knockouts Tag Titles. Your champions, VXT, Chelsea Green, and Deanna Parazzo defending against the newly reunited. Jessica and Taya Valkyrie with Rosemary in their corner. This match got seven minutes and 26 seconds at the end of the day. And new Impact Knockout Tag Team Champions, Jessica and Taya Valkyrie. Listen, this match was superb. Mm -hmm. You know what? People think that you have to have a long match to have a great match. No, no. Seven minutes and 26 seconds, and these four ladies burn the house down. Absolutely. I fully co-sign on that. I would hate following this, although the match that did follow this was another great match, hence why it did all right, but I would hate following this. Yeah. Next up, though, was for the Impact World Tag Team Champions. Your champions, Honor No More, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, went up against the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban. This match got 16 minutes and 36 seconds. This is everything we were hoping for mm -hmm. more. At the end of the day, and still Impact Tag Team Champions, Honor No More. Very interesting, though. Side note, it looks like most of the Ring of Honor guys that came to Impact, their contracts are up. Yeah, I thought that was interesting when that kind of spiraled out after. I was like... And there's a all... huge rumor out there that WWE's very interested in one Matt Taven. Yeah, I don't... I, like, it's just a weird paradox to be in for this. Or a weird problem to be in, I guess I should say is a better wording. But... I tell you what, fantastic match. I would love to see Honor No More stay in Impact, but I, I'm not going to be mad if I see the Kingdom in WWE. I agree there. Next up, we had the Call Your Shot Gauntlet match. Now, in this match, the winner wins a shot 
at their the title they're choosing whenever they want. Mm-hmm. It's on Money in the Bank rules, too. Remember last year, Moose won this match at Bound for Glory and then came out after Josh Alexander was celebrating with his family yeah. and, and took the belt right off of him. Remember yes, he that? he did. That was so creepy. Right in it, front of his family. It was so creepy, but it was so badass, too. Yeah, so we had that match, and there was a lot of great names in this match. Budapar Gujar, Bobby Fish, Eric Young, Giselle Shaw, Heath, Joe Hendry, Johnny Swinger. Well, I said great names. Johnny mm. Swinger, not so much. Yeah. Uh, Killer Kelly, Matt Cardona, Moose, PCO, Rhino, Rich Swan, Sammy Callahan, Savannah Evans, Steve Macklin, Tasha Steeles, Taylor Wilde, and the legendary Tommy Dreamer. This match got a whole half hour almost, 29 minutes and three mm-hmm. seconds. But a surprise entrant won this match. And it would be the one and only Bully Ray. Yeah, I did not see this coming. Obviously, a surprise entrant, but still did not think Bully was going to come back for Bound for Glory. But very interested to see where this is going. He's uh, signed some kind of deal with Impact Wrestling, it looks yeah, like. Yeah, that's what it appears. That's what I mean. It's, it's interesting to see how he's going to stick around there for a while. It's interesting. So Bully Ray won the Call Your Shot gauntlet. That's going to come into play at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, it wasn't the same as last year. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have the Impact Knockouts title on the line. Your champion, Jordan Grace, taking on the aforementioned Masha Slamovich. This match got 16 minutes and one second. At the end of the day, and still your knockouts women's champion, Jordan Grace. By the way, Jordan Grace. This was probably Jordan Grace's best match I've seen her in. I agree. have seen her in some good matches before. This was amazing. Her and Masha had amazing chemistry. Mm-hmm. I would put this match up against anything else that came out this week, the previous week, this fucking year. Yeah. This may be my women's match of the year. It's it's up there. It's definitely up there. Holy crap, was this a fantastic match. I love this match, top to bottom. Jordan Grace, I've been very critical of her working. Mm-hmm. She was amazing in this match. Masha Slamovich, need I say more? No. Masha Slamovich, and I'm with you, is low-key definitely right now in the lead for my Women's Wrestler of the Year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's getting it done against women. She's getting it done against men. Does not matter. She's doing great work. Right now, I think she is the hottest women's wrestler in the world today, bar none, and I fucking said it. 1,000% cosign on that. But uh, this was a tremendous match. If you've not seen this match, go out of your way to find this clips of it even. This match was tremendous. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once again, definitely going to be in the running for my women's match of the year for sure. Yes. Last but certainly not least, the main event of the evening for the Impact World Championship. Your champion, the walking weapon, Josh Alexander, who has not been pinned now in almost two years. Right. Taking on the leader, if you will, of Honor No More. Die Hard, Eddie Edwards. You know I was being a homer and rooting for Eddie Edwards. Yeah. This match got 28 minutes and five seconds. Tremendous match mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And still, your Impact Wrestling World Champion, Josh Alexander. Now, as much as I just said about Jordan Grace, we know that Josh Alexander's been doing phenomenal work. Oh, yeah. Low-key, people are not paying attention to Impact. I'm going to say in cage match right now, that match, the main event, got a 9.17 out of 10 rating mm-hmm. right now in cage match. I am telling you, that match is phenomenal. This is the reason you should be watching Impact Wrestling. Absolutely. This main event, I would put it up against any main event on TV. I would put this up against any match on television. This match is going, I don't think it's going to win my match of the year. There's some pretty stiff competition. It's, it's definitely in the conversation. But I'll though. tell you what, it is it is match of the year worthy. Mm-hmm. And if you're not watching, you should be watching. Tw- almost a half hour of two of the top wrestlers in the world today, bar none. Phenomenal match. This is the reason why Impact Wrestling can get it done. Now, sometimes they take some weeks off or whatever. 
But it's events like this to remind me why Impact Wrestling is Destination TV. Mm-hmm. This, though, I, uh, being seriously, last year, Bound for Glory, remember, we were very disappointed. Left a bad taste in our mouth. Slammiversary yeah. is always great. I don't know why it's always great, but it's always great. Bound for Glory, they, they dropped the ball with last year. It had a cool ending, but they dropped the ball on the show, as, re, as you remember. Yeah, that was a rough one. This year, they didn't. They came back. They gave you banger after banger after banger. This, If it wasn't for the fact that Extreme Rules, which we're talking about in the main event, was actually super good. Yeah. This could have been the event of the weekend. And I, I could hear an argument for overtaking it. You can definitely make that argument. Like the one thing is impact nine out of, let's say 9.5 out of 10 times always has amazing pay-per-view events. Bound for glory is always even money. I mean, except last year, last year, I don't know what happened, but they put on some of the best wrestling in the game today their women's division is top notch. WWE gives them a good run for the money, but like, listen, they get their women in high profile matches and they let them go. And you see the Jordan Graces, who's I will say most improved wrestler of the year. I think that's a fair statement. Masha has been doing great work. You take a look at that tag team division, which they've been doing since day one and got it right. They do so much good wrestling that I wish they were on network TV so more people would be talking about them. Yeah, definitely. Check them out. You can find them on the YouTube channel. You can pay a membership fee and get the live show every week on uh, on there. If not, if you have Access TV, which most of us don't, mm-hmm. you can check them out there. I will say when they went off the air, they went off the air with Bully Ray staring down uh, Josh Alexander and informing him very nicely that, hey, don't worry, not like Moose, I'm not going to just sneak one on you. When I want to take that title, I'm going to shake your hand, look you in the eye, and we're going to have a match. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, like I said, I, I mean, I'm I'm very intrigued where this is going because the only thing that I, I just fear, like I don't know why, and I'm just I'm scared about this, is we're going to go back to aces and eights for some reason. I don't know why. I just I'm fearing like oh he'll do that I'll sh- I'll shake your hand do it right in the ring and like somebody'll kick him you know do a low blow or something I'll get a quick pin. I was going to say let's be honest, who really believes? Bully Ray. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like the fact that I happened, like, okay, I was waiting for like somebody to just come in and do a nut shot. Who really believes Bully Ray? Well, that's going to do it for the mid card of the show. We are going to take our final break. When we come back, it is going to be time for the main event of this week's episode of 607 TWS. And we are going to talk all things WWE Extreme Rules and the fallout that happened on Monday Night Raw right after this final break. We are back 
for the main event segment of this week's 607 TWS and pretend that Michael Buffer brought us back. My voice is going to shit, so I'm not even going to attempt it like I've done the other ones. That's all right. You, you've earned it this past weekend in New York Comic Con. So let's talk main event. And when we get to the main event, we're talking World Wrestling Entertainment. Of course, they had a huge event go down this past Saturday on the Peacock. Cock, cock, the Peacock. That is right. WWE Extreme Rules. Extreme. There it is. From Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Gotta love it. The city of unbrotherly love. <laughs> that, that is a, the most true statement you can ever say. By the way, I made that statement originally with our good friend Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming while we were at New York Comic Con. And he is from Philly and can confirm I'm not wrong. This is true. Yeah, that statement did happen. Are you ready to talk about Extreme Rules? Yes. All right. So, first con- the opening contest was the six-man tag team good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. The uh, brawling brutes, Sheamus, Ridge Holland, and Butch defeated Imperium, Guther, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vinci. 17 minutes, 50 seconds. This match was everything we hoped it would be and more. Loved it being the opening contest because this match was fucking awesome and the crowd was into every moment of it. Pete Dunne is a wild man. <laughs> I, I like listen, Butch, Pete Dunne, whatever you want to call listen, him. Listen, the only thing missing was Pat McAfee on the call for it. Yeah, he absolutely stole this match. Him and Ridge Holland, I, I'll say Ridge is another contender. He is definitely getting better each and every time. I thought Imperium, as you know, the tag team finally got a real chance to show what they can do on the main roster. This match was everything I wanted to be a hard hitting pace setter for the rest of the night. I do want to point out in commentary, we did have the A-team, the combined A-team of Michael Cole and Corey Graves. Uh, there has been some big uh, new commentators lists coming out for mm-hmm. all the shows. But look, going forward, it looks like all pay-per-views will be called by Adam Cole. Or Adam Cole. Wow. Adam <laughs> Cole's on the mind. Michael Cole, his, 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 his less famous <laughs> uncle, if you will. <laughs> hey, hey. And, yep. and, of course, Corey Graves. So kudos to that. And hopefully when Pat McAfee comes back, we can have a three-man table. I'm not always a fan of a three-man table, but that three-man table usually is pretty solid. Yeah, that's a solid squad. All right, next up, we had in an Extreme Rules match, the WWE Women's SmackDown's championship on the line. Your champion, Liv Morgan, defending against Rowdy Ronda Rousey. This match got 12 minutes in five seconds. And your winner by technical submission and new SmackDown Women's champion, Rowdy Ronda Rousey. This match was the worst match on the card. I'm going to throw that. I agree with you. They missed a lot of beats on this. And when I originally watched this match, people were like, it was terrible. I'm like, oh, it wasn't that terrible. And I'm going to tell you why I thought that in a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, this match is bad. The timing was off. The psychology was off. Uh, The only really good part of this match is going into the finish and that really cool fucking submission that Ronda used to win the match. Yeah, the sitting triangle choker. Although I did not like the fact that Liv Morgan was smiling and passes out instead of tapping out to that. I thought that I, I understand you're trying to make her a threat and believable, but come on, that 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 shouldn't have happened. Ronda's a fucking badass, and and that should never happen. See, the problem they've had with this matchup is for Liv's first challenge after winning the belt, that she should have just got the quick roll up like the night after on SmackDown, and been done with Ronda for a while. The fact that you're trying to establish the underdog story with Liv compared to Ronda, whose pedigree, like, listen, at one point she was the best woman on the planet in all of MMA and combat sports. Obviously, Amanda Nunez has taken that crown. Different story these days. But 
when you're doing the optic test, it doesn't match up. And unfortunately, when they try making live into something so soon, the fans didn't get behind it. And you're right. The timing was all off on this match. The only thing noteworthy was Ronda doing the real cool leg scissor triangle choke type deal. But with Liv smiling, I don't know what that was all about. Like, I don't know if they're going to say that's going to tie into something later. But I think now she needs to just go back to the underdog role and kind of work her way back in. Well, later in the night, they showed her, I think, in like a boiler room with like kind of like the smile and like shaking kind of. It was weird. So I don't know what they're going with. There's been a lot of rumors that she might end up with Bray Wyatt. I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. I, it was just fucking weird. Um, the reason, first of all, before I address this other thing, I hate the tribalists out there. We know that. Don't mm. be a tribalist. Just fucking enjoy wrestling. And if you don't enjoy something, don't watch. We're, we're famous for that. It was funny because the, the tribalists from the other side, from, from the all elite tribalists, they were out and like, ah. Oh, that was so terrible, this and that. I was like, you know, it was it was on par with most of your women's matches. I'm just saying. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there. So so take that. That's literally a look in the mirror of what most of the women's matches on your channel look like. So stop it with the bullshit because that's what tribalism does. It just exposes the dumb shit. Yes, this wasn't a good match. However, <laughs> let's not compare it to other things. Yeah, don't throw stones at glass houses. The reason why when we watched this originally that I, I think that I was more excited about this match is because at the end of this match and going into the finish of the match, Finally, I saw some really good heel work out of Ronda Rousey. Yeah, that's the takeaway from that. When she won the match and told the fans to hell with them, she does this stuff for her. She went Brock Lesnar. She went Brock Lesnar UFC 100 without talking about climbing on top of her husband. (laughs) But if she would have done that, I've been fine with it too. I'm just saying, I thought that that was uh, that was the mark when I'm like, oh shit, she's starting to get being a heel. I love it. Yeah, she's finally accepting it because I think when she came in, she wanted to try being a tweener, like you know, and that. That doesn't work for somebody with her profile. Like, unfortunately, like you're not somebody that's coming up from developmental that the fans don't have an opinion on. You're a very high-profile addition to that roster. Fans already have their minds made up if they like you or if they don't. I do like it that she's playing the cocky heel. I think she should run with it. And whoever's been coaching her, I think this is a prime example of like what she's capable of. Absolutely. Next match on the card was the strap match between... Carrying Cross and Drew McIntyre, 10 minutes and 20 seconds at the end of the day with a little bit of interference help from one Scarlet. By the way, legal. Yes. Legal. Carrying Cross is your winner. I like this match. We got exactly what we thought. We got these two big strapping lads, good-looking lads. They went out there and they beat the shit out of each other. I love the chemistry in the beginning of the match where Carrying Cross refused to put the strap on, mm-hmm. and then they fought back and forth. Carrying Cross made a little cheap. Then all of a sudden, when Drew got on top of him, Drew made sure that he uh, put that strap on him. Remember, we were like, "Oh, please don't let Carrying put the strap on," because I think that's horrible. Yeah. And then when Drew did it, you're like, "Okay, I like the psychology of this match. I love this feud." Believe it or not, it's becoming a fight forever, in my opinion. What did you think about the strap match between Cross and McIntyre? Perfect way to have Karrion Cross really solidify himself as a main eventer. I am with you. This is a new fight forever for me. I think these two really have something special going on. Scarlet was perfect in this match, too, helping the cheat to win. This extends the feud, and especially because if Drew had won, where do you go from here? Well, he's got to go back around the title picture. This now really builds up Karrion Cross to where... Their blow-off match could lead to him going for a title of some sort, depending on who's champion. I love where they're going with the story. Keep it going. Absolutely. Next up, ladder match for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Your champion, Bianca Belair, defending against Bailey. This match got 16 minutes and 40 seconds at the end of the day. And still the WWE Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair. This was a great match. 
Great match. Not really too many crazy bumps, you know. Like no, you but think. you know what? They told a beautiful story. Exactly. Like that's the whole takeaway from this. Bailey is such a pro, and Bianca is just getting better and better each time. Like I say, no real crazy bumps, but I thought they made the right call because I think Bailey chasing, especially now that she might be going a little crazy, that the rest of Damage Control has belts and she doesn't, and really kind of driving her to like really try getting the belt and ultimately not doing it. I think it's going to be a great story. I love the post match beatdown, everything else. It was good. I I, I love this story going on, and I you know what I got to give kudos. Remember, I was critical about a week or so ago, either last week or the week before, where I said maybe we're getting too much damage control on TV. You know what? Now I think we're getting the right amount. They kind of pulled back a little bit, which is good. Yeah, not getting rid of it. I don't want them to get rid of it, but it was a little too much, and now we've pulled back a little bit. But it's getting real good because everybody's delivering. Mm-hmm. Everybody, all all the women and all three of them in damage control. Everybody's going up against them, whether it be Alexa or Asuka or Bianca. They're doing a great job. I love this storyline. I hope it continues on for a while. Next up, we got the I Quit match. Finn Balor and Edge. This match got 29 minutes, 55 seconds. The longest match of the night for great reason. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, Finn Balor wins. Little controversy in this match. This match, when you talk about storytelling, this match is a beautiful story. Remember, Edge coming into this match says, Hey, no matter what you do to me physically, I will never say I quit. Never. And he kept that promise. During the match, even when he was beat down, I love, I love how he'd be like, I don't quit. Yeah. He kept saying it. But then he gets jumped by the judgment day. And to his rescue comes his wonderful wife, Beth Phoenix. She gets in the ring. She clears the judgment day out. She gets him uncuffed because at that point in juncture, he's cuffed to the rope. And then as it looks like Edge is going to get the upper hand, Rhea Ripley takes out Beth Phoenix with a pair of brass knucks. They get the control over Edge. And now they're making him watch as his wife is being put in position for a concerto from Rhea Ripley. And basically they're saying, hey, you either quit or we're going to cave your wife's head in. And Edge, and I, this is what I love about this story. Edge didn't do the normal, I quit, I quit, I quit, and yell it, right? He he fought it off. He won, he didn't want to say it. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, okay, I quit. Just very low. Very like, nah. yeah. I can't believe I'm doing this, but I have to. I have to save my my the love of my life, my, my wife. I have to do it. But it was so like, you know, like in the past, somebody would yell it. Like, I quit. You know, that's what you want to hear. Whatever. You know what I mean? And then they made him say it again and again. You know, low. Yeah, I quit. And then Rhea Ripley delivering the greatest line possible. She looks Edge dead in the eyes and goes, you taught us better than this. And does the concerto anyways. Rhea Ripley has turned it up another gear being with Judgment Day. She is the MVP of that oh, squad. I agree, I agree 100%. Yeah, I'm loving the character work she's doing and phenomenal stuff. This match was my match of the night. Best story. I love where they're going with this. Finn needed that win, and he got it. It definitely helped Judgment Day out. Obviously, they're going to go into a little different direction because I am because of the events of Monday night. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I, right, got, I got an idea. So I, got a, I got an idea I want to pass by you, too. Uh, when we get there. Yeah, yeah, but I'm definitely with you on that. But I will say this. I'm with you. Match of the night. I'm just like Josh Alexander and Eddie Edwards. I don't think this is going to win match of the year, but it would definitely be a candidate. It told a beautiful story. It was a good match. Edge was phenomenal. Finn was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Great match in the story. Oh, my God. So good. And at the end, I just love that little piece. Not, not you know, first of all, I love the fact that he didn't yell, I quit. That it was like, oh, I quit. Like, yeah, they yeah. hated it. But... That realign, 
That just that little line of you taught us better. Like the fact that what he's trying to destroy is what he created because it's gotten out of line. And that is the perfect embodiment of it. And she dropped that line. I was like, ah, it's fucking amazing. Yes. Looks him right in the eyes and just, ah, lovely. Perfect. Great. Perfect. Next up was the main event of the evening. And it was the fight pit match with special guest referee, former UFC light heavyweight and heavyweight champion of the world. You know, he was a champ champ. Mm -hmm. Daniel Cormier. Matt Riddle, Seth Rollins, 16 minutes, 35 seconds. Winner by submission would be Matt Riddle. By the way, I thought Matt Riddle broke his back or his tailbone at the very least in this match at one point. Yeah, with that floating bro. Yeah, when he came straight down on his tailbone, I thought he broke it. I legit thought he broke it. Just he landed that wrong. Solid match. I I was a little disappointed because it just kind of felt like the ending was too rushed. I think that they were pushed for a little bit. Now, mind you, they get extra time anyways on Peacock, but that doesn't mean all the time. Right. And I think that they really, and I also think that they've been managing crowd really well. What I say about this, there's only six matches on this card. Yeah. And there's some interview spots and stuff in between, tight three hours. They've been trying to not, I think since the complaints years ago of the WrestleMania cards going too long and some of the pay-per-view cards, remember, because it wasn't just WrestleMania. There was a backlash. It was like five hours long. Uh And I think that since then, WWE is really honed in. Even before the new regime, on peeling it back and going a little less, less is more, mm-hmm. and it really is like the, this is the second pay per view in a row that's had six matches and it's been perfect. Yeah, I mean, I think the the sweet spots between six and eight matches. So if they even added a couple extra matches, especially to like a Survivor Series, which is coming up, I'm fine with that. But I really think less is more, and I think Triple H is really nailing that home. Also, the one thing that I know that our our friend Ricky over at Dragon Master Games said to me, and. I didn't even think about this. We've gotten different matches with the exception of Seth and, and Riddle, which has been a great story. Like it was a, it was an eh story when, when the old regime was in and then the new regime took oh, over. Yeah, this this has become places. an amazing, this is the only one that we've repeated recently. Mm-hmm. Most of the matches have been new. I mean, it might've featured some of the same people, but they've been new yeah. and some, and some events feature other people that they don't. So even with Roman, not on this card, I don't think it hurt this card at all. Oh, not For at the all. People that are worried about a title, the world title not being there. I'm like, Hey, I think it was good to give the, the champ the night off because it let other people shine. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we, if we have the champ on here, I don't know if the edge Balor match shines as well. I'm not saying that it wouldn't still be a great match, but of course Roman's going to go out there and do what Roman does. So that takes away a lot of times from other matches. And I'm not saying it's bad. It's just that Roman is such a large figure in the world of wrestling and all of his matches because of story and everything else are really good. Right. They, then you start comparing everything to that match. So it takes a little bit away from other matches, in my opinion. I, I still think the match of the night, no matter what, would be Finn and Edge. However... It might have taken something away. So I think letting stuff breathe because there was no title on this event didn't hurt this event. As a matter of fact, I think it made it better. I think you're, you're onto something there, too, because we often forget Seth Rollins is a main event guy. And, Absolutely. And he, and he can carry a card by himself. So I think if you put Roman on there just for sakes, reasons, it just doesn't work. Like, it just would be a, such a disconnect. And especially letting this new format go with WWE. This is all going back to Triple H trying to build those new stars. And you gave moments like the Carrion Cross to really run. You, you When you open with the Battle and Brutes, 
that really helped get some more fans involved and in watching them, and especially like Imperium too. Like, I think it was just smart how they played it out, and I think that this is going to be something you're going to see moving forward. I agree with you. I think this is a very good thing that the new regime, the Triple H regime, is doing, I, and I hope it continues this way. So with that, I think that they really did want to peel back because I don't think they want the crowd being there for more than three hours, four hours. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because you got to remember the doors open and stuff for the live crowd. So if it's a three-hour event or a little bit over three hours, that means they've been there for four. You know, so yeah. I think that they're really trying to keep everybody fresh and alive because remember, this ends right, it started at eight and it ended a little after 11. Yeah. So this was a tight show. And once again, you still got all the action. You still got really good matches. I mean, there was only one match that I thought was subpar on the entire card. Yeah, I agree so, with you. Very solid. But we got an old trick from our friend yeah. Triple H because we went through the night. And mind you, in the beginning, so when this night started, we had heard from outside the arena because, once again, WWE doesn't report on this stuff. They've been doing a great job with the White Rabbit. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing a good job of not showing anything themselves. It's all fans. So we found out before that at the event, there was White Rabbits jumping around in costume. And they were handing out crossword puzzles. Yes. That basically had the uh, ye who enters here, you know, be uh, abandons all hope or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then the show opens and we get an interference in the feed for the rabbit that we saw in the one thing jumping to the X that looks like the Extreme Rules X and digging in. And that was it. And it goes away. And they're like, you know, obviously the people in the ring didn't know, but the, the commentators are, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. So we get to the end of the show. No white rabbit, right? We get to the end. Riddle's going back with DC. He's at the top of the ramp. They uh, hold up his hand. DC holds his hand up again. The, the little ink line on the bottom comes up says extreme rules copyright reserved and you're like oh damn i thought we were getting white rabbit and then the lights go out Mm -hmm. and then all the the phones light up in the arena he threw the fake he threw the nxt fake at us the fake ending we see it time and time again when triple h was running nxt he did it to us on the main roster now so now the lights are front up and all of a sudden we hear throughout the system He's got the whole world in his hands. And it is definitely the voice of one Bray Wyatt. Yeah. And we keep hearing this. He's got the whole world in his hands. And he doesn't do the whole song. He just keeps repeating that indirectly. And then all of a sudden, there's a noise that goes along with it. And we see Mercy the Buzzard. Yep. In a live, pu- in a, like a live a full-size live- mascot. Live action. If you will. Yeah. And that's a light in the crowd and the crowd's, oh, and then it goes out. And then he keeps singing. And then all of a sudden we get, the light comes on in another section of the arena and it's Ramblin' Rabbit. And then the light goes out. And then the light comes on in another section of the reason as it continues. And it's Huskus the Pig. And then the light goes out. And then the light comes back up and it's at almost the ringside area. And it's Abby the Witch. And the light goes out. And then the light comes up on, on, the, on the desk and it's the... Face of Bray Wyatt that used to be adorned to the lantern, if you remember, yeah, is on the desk, and both the guys are like, "What the hell?" <laughs> and the light goes out. out, and then the light comes up again while it sings, and it's the fiend, but not the not the real, not, not the, the Bray Wyatt one. fiend, but somebody dressed like the fiend, and the light goes out, and then it takes us back to the entranceway, and we see this door, yeah, <laughs> this odd out of place door, but then you see the screen comes on. Behind it, you know, the big screen they have now comes on. And we look up at the screen. And then when we do at home, it takes us right into the video. But you could obviously watch the thing. And we're back in the Firefly Funhouse. 
And it looks like nobody's been taking care of this Firefly Funhouse for the last year and a half or however long it's been. Mm-hmm. There's cobwebs. It's distraught. And you start to hear the Firefly Funhouse theme, but it's distorted. Yeah. You know, and it was really cool and creepy and eerie. And you get to see all the puppets in their boxes and there's cobwebs and it's dirty and it's dusty. And then the TV starts, turns on and it's fuzzing. And at first, and you're still going around and then it goes into the TV and we get this weird choppy, but what looks like Bray Wyatt in a brand new mask Mm -hmm. that is very much inspired by Black Phone. Oh, yeah. If you've seen the Black Phone, you saw the Grabber's mask, very highly inspired by it. And... We're gonna well, may as well talk about it now. They shot the, a lot of this in the building, so this was actually being recorded at the same time in the building, and it was super hard for us to hear what he was saying because the crowd was so loud that. Uh, and I got to give a shout out to Top Dollar for explaining this, which I mean I knew kind of than you do because we do stuff with equipment. Right. The cameras and mics that they use are super expensive, and the microphones on the cameras that they use to record something like this. They are designed only to pick up sound from the front of the microphone. Correct. So right at Bray Wyatt's, right in Bray Wyatt's face. And he's doing this live and they're broadcasting it. And you couldn't hear him because the crowd, even though he was in the backstage area and there was a microphone that is only supposed to record what is right in front of it, the crowd was so loud it was interfering with that microphone. Later on, when we talk about the big pop, it almost took the mics out. That's how loud it was. The microphones almost popped and went out. It almost busted microphones. So for those people who don't believe these pops were loud, and mind you, there was a bunch of them. They were real. Yeah. And it was real loud. As somebody who's done a lot of things in wrestling, holy shit. Uh, I agree with what you guys said on the ODPH this week. Top three, easy, if not top one or two returns in wrestling history. Yeah, it had to be. Like, no matter how you look at it, this is top three. I don't care if you put a couple things in front of it. Fine. Top three for sure. So let's go now to what happened. So on this screen, we found out on Raw. By the way, thankfully on Raw, what they did was they, I mean, I heard a little bit of it because I told you what I thought he said and it was what he said. Uh, But on Raw, they replayed it and they turned the crowd noise down and they upped the volume on what he said so you could hear what he said. Uh, So basically it's distorted and he says uh, he was doing the who killed the world you did and there's a maniacal laugh and who killed the world you did. And then he says it like three or four times. And on the last time he said who killed the world we did. And then, boom, we go back out, and there's the door. And the door has got, you can see a light emanating from behind it that's coming through the door. The screen's off now. And there's smoke, and you're like, oh, what's going on? All of a sudden, the door just blasts open. Mm -hmm. And there's this lighting effect. And I I believe, I I heard it out there in the internet, and I think it's true. It was reminiscent of, like, when uh, the the promo package when uh, Brody Lee debuted in in AEW. I don't think they were ripping off AEW. I think it was, I do think it was Bray Wyatt's. Uh, homage to Brody Lee. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Because obviously they were really good friends, and I really do think that, you know, and we know this, you know, like very, very good friends. So I think he wanted to pay a little homage, and he did. And he was allowed to because, fuck, he's Bray Wyatt. Yeah. So then the light goes out, and the crowd is now kind of, there's the buzz, what's going to happen? And you see a little glow. And that glow comes around, and then the, the 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 audience once again comes up as you see a figure with the mask come out with this lantern. And then the figure turns towards the camera and goes and removes their mask to reveal what we already knew, that it's Bray Wyatt. And the crowd peaked. Holy shit. You couldn't hear anything. Mm-hmm. 
And then, in his final thing, before we go off the air, we get the, I'm here. And he blows out the, the, lantern. the lantern. And then you got the old school. Yep. And then the Wyatt Six symbol you've seen on the internet comes up. Yeah, the upside down butterfly, butterfly. or whatever. It's almost like the cicada. Yeah. Uh, you know, the cicada thing that they have. It's almost kind of like that. It's really fucking cool. I, I, it's a mixture between the cicada and uh, the Silence of the Lambs, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Very cool looking shit. Oh, my God. I'm, I was sitting there with you. We were in a hotel room in New York City watching this live. Fucking goosebumps. Yeah. Fucking phenomenal. What were your thoughts thinking back on the Bray Wyatt return? Blown away. Could not have done this any more perfect. Top three day return of all time. You can't get a louder pop in there. You, there's no way that that was manufactured. That was real emotion for fans who have genuinely supported him and the one of the most creative minds in all of pro wrestling in the what the last 30 years if not more easy like he is just somebody that has that following has that mystique to him and obviously when he was released way back when because of reasons under the former regime we all were wondering where we we're going to see him next to have him just kind of sit home and just focus on this return because this is the only place he was ever going to go well he did to be fair he did try to do movies yeah but I mean, for pro wrestling, though, this was home. Oh, absolutely. And, and obviously, he wanted to come back. Triple H has always been a big proponent of him. To let him come back, tell his story, do this new wave marketing that they're doing for promoting, and still continue to do that to this day, this has just been so next level. The fans have all but sold into this 1,000%, and it could not have been better. Before I give my final thoughts on Extreme Rules uh, along with you, I will say this. We'll, we'll peek into Monday Night Raw because that's what we're going to do next in the fallout. Uh, but uh, we'll, I will say this. I loved how they continued on Raw. Yes. We'll just get the Bray Wyatt stuff together here because we got we got another QR code. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then got a video package that broke in out of nowhere. Once again, shaky Bray Wyatt doing saying just weird shit into yeah. the microphone, including uh, revel in who you are. That was his big thing. Just mm-hmm. revel in who you are. It's just kind of crazy, and it's like distorted. It's really cool shit. And then we got the news that he will be appearing live on SmackDown this upcoming Friday from New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah, how perfect. And I want to say, before we go into the talk of Raw, I somebody asked me if they, I thought this was smart. I do. Because there was a lot of things that went on in Raw, we're going to talk about them in a minute, that I think Bray Wyatt would have overshadowed. Mm-hmm. I think just keeping this going and putting him on SmackDown this upcoming Friday, where he's not going to overshadow big things, which we'll talk about in a second, I think was perfect. Once again, I feel like Triple H is, is really booking these shows and doing big things and not to step on other things. And I think it's beautiful. Well, he understands the product. He understands that when WWE has been at its finest... It's had a strong card from opening match to main event. The storylines throughout have always been a top-notch thing to do. So no matter where you are on that card, if you have something going on, you don't want anything overshadowing. Even though, I mean, he's got main event players left and right, you still give time to those undercard stories to really build them up, and then when they finally make the move up to mid and go to mains, they're doing the long-term booking that is really selling it. And that, and he's just been so smart about this. So putting a nice little cap on Extreme Rules before we move on and talk about a couple of things from Raw. Since we're coming to you a little later, we're going to give you a little Raw recap here. Big things happened that we would have been talking about next week, but we get to talk about them now. I thought Extreme Rules on paper, we talked about how this looked great. Mm-hmm. How holy shit, they actually really got it. 
I think they executed it pretty flawlessly. There's only one subpar match. Outside of that, I love the execution. So five out of six matches being a you know really high. We don't grade here, yeah. but I would say out of those five or six matches, or out of that six match. You know, it's a C minus D plus somewhere in there. Yeah. Everything else on the card though was like B plus. Yeah. Or better. Like especially when you get to Finn and Edge, which A plus all day. Uh, I'd, I'd be interested if Uncle Dave doesn't give it five stars. I'd be surprised. I would Cause, too. Because lately he's been giving matches like that five stars again, and I think that that's right up his alley. If he doesn't, it's going to be close. It'll be like four point seven five. I promise you that much. Uh, his his score hasn't been out yet, but I really think he's going to go high on it as well because the storytelling in the match was really good. So, uh, Extreme Rules. Anything else you want to say other than it being good card or anything else? No, solid card. Braid is back. Uh, yeah, like I said, only one match that was kind of subpar, but listen, didn't take anything away from the night. Crowd was hot and definitely went home happy. All right, let's talk about a couple things coming on the Raw and the Fallout. First of all, let's bring it up. It was the season premiere of Monday Night Raw yeah. from Brooklyn, New York at the Barclays Center. You know it's big things when WWE enters the Barclays. Mm-hmm. They love the Barclays. It's, it's almost overtaken the, the garden for them in yeah, recent years. It definitely I know has. there's a lot of people who are talking about that, and they keep comparing things about uh, you know MSG and WWE and how that's been down. It's like, hey, listen, MSG's they've kind of moved on to Barclays. They do a couple big house shows a year at MSG, maybe one live television show. But for the most part, they use the Barclays, which is a nicer building. Let's be honest. MSG needs to be... Renovated. I love the building. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. Obviously, as a Rangers fan, it's awesome to go in there. Yes. However, the Barclays is a nicer building. Well, Barclays, we, can, we can agree on well, that. And plus, too, I mean, I'm not sure if there's any still old kind of grudges against, you know, when, uh, what was it, Ring of Honor and New Japan did the the one show in the Garden. Like, that was kind of rumored well, about. Well, they were already slowing down at that point yeah. going to the Garden. I don't think WWE has any hard feelings. I think that they really, over the years with the Summer Slams and the NXT takeovers and stuff, because remember, it was the home of SummerSlam for like three years in a row. Yeah. I think the Barclays has just become their new New York home, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, that could be the case. But the I newer building, it's it's probably nicer to be in there. It seats more people. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could definitely see that point. Like I said, that was the only thing I think maybe if you really want to stretch for so, a real reason, I guess. I don't know. So remember, we got we got promised a lot of stuff and it delivered. First of all, let's talk about DX. We got the DX reunion. Once again, Triple H, knowing that less is more, peeling stuff back. In the past, when you would have somebody like DX come in for a special like this, it would just be every commercial break, DX, every whatever. We had three appearances. Mm-hmm. Three quality appearances. We had the opening of the show where basically Triple H was telling them to behave and we got this nice little swearing montage. We got the rubber chickens, which they were referring to as, oh, look at those cocks. Yeah. And uh, even Road Dog at one point is like, well, one of those cocks is mine. You know, yeah. ha, ha, ha. Very funny. I thought it was funny. It was childish, but that's what they do. Then midway through the show, we got a, a cool segment after the Dexter Loomis Miz thing. Miz came and uh, saw DX in the back, and they were just chatting and was very animate with them. Like, did you see that? I was robbed. Ba 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 ba. And uh, basically, Road Dog goes, "Oh, if you're so mad about it, how about uh, next week on Raw? Uh, you, you know, if you you can have a match with Dexter Loomis, and if he wins, or if you win, Dexter Loomis is gone." But if he wins, he gets a, a contract. I think that's fair. And I thought it was funny because he's like, he they, they kind of bully him into agreeing to it, and he does. And then after he, they, they, he walks away, Shawn Michaels looks at, at Road Dog and goes, wait a minute, you can make matches around here? 
He's like, I guess so. I just did. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, they definitely played into that well. And then, of course, at the end of the show, we got the the you know the DX in front of the crowd with Triple H come out on the little uh, you know the little military vehicle. It wasn't even a tank. No, it, was it was more a of jeep. a. It was a jeep with a cannon on it. They shot that off. They were throwing the glow sticks into the crowd. We got your know your normal stuff. Uh, you know, Sean Waltman giving a big shout out to China, which was awesome. Yes. Uh, so Joni getting a shout out because she couldn't be there. Uh, you know, obviously also not there, Billy Gunn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought the road dog handled that very well, did the whole normal New Age Outlaws thing, and then threw the mic up so the crowd could yell the badass Billy Gunn. By the way, contrary to what's going around the internet, there was no scissor me daddy ass chance going or scissor me chance yeah. going at all. Uh, I know that somebody doctored that, and some people thought that was real. It's not real. That never happened at all. There was no real chant for Billy Gunn either, which I've also heard reported. They did the badass thing. That was it. Corey Graves, of course, though, prime key on the fucking commentary going, uh, well, he couldn't be here tonight because I heard that he's doing something in the uh, office supplies realm. Yeah, I don't get it. But the office supplies scissors. And he's like, and then he goes, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was funny and classy all at once. Yes. Uh, By the way, rumor and report is that they reached out to Billy Gunn to be a part of it. Billy Gunn wanted to be a part of it, and Tony Khan shot it down, Hmm. which he has the right to do. Yeah, he does. not even going to be a dick about it for those out there. But don't tell me Mr. Forbidden Door is all about sharing business when he couldn't let Billy Gunn come over. And by the way, he would have been smarter to do that. Raw did a 1.82 even up against a good Monday night football game. Yeah. That's bigger. That 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 have been a lot of people seeing him, and that's good for the product because he could have started a scissor me chant, or could have scissored some fans, and that would have that would have been good for AEW. I'm just gonna throw it out there. You could have gotten free promotion on WWE television. Just saying, if that story is true, which reliable sources have repeated it. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Anyways, I thought it was good. At the end of the day, not too much, but still a good nostalgia trip. Let's now kick to the opening of the show. Also, we got the bloodline. Yes. And Sammy of course, uh, I mean, let's just point out, acknowledge the chief. Let's get them ones up. We got them up in the studio. Uh, that's the first thing. Second thing, I love the promo. Yeah. I loved how Roman was like, hey, guys talking, you know, when you talk too much, you look like a fool and you can't be a fool in the bloodline. Hey, Jay, want to explain for yourself? And then Sammy, we got this Sammy. Hey, hey, listen, you told me that, that was he was my problem, so I'll take care of it. And he's like, go ahead. And he's like, Jay, you know, we, the guys, you know, we're cool. We're cool. We, we just want you to be a little more cool. I loved how it went on. Riddle came out, kind of made fun of it. And then Jay kind of amps Sammy up to be in a match. Later on in the night before the match, I thought it was beautiful because what did Roman say to Jay? Sammy better win that match. If he doesn't win that match and you don't help him win that match, you're going to pay for it. So mind you, Sammy doesn't win later on. Mm-hmm. Because Jay is like, it's, you know, oh, you don't need our help? Whatever. I can't wait to Friday because I think the tribal chief wasn't joking with Jay Uso. I was laughing my ass when he said, "You're not being real Usi." Yeah, Usi. And then and then and then they looked over at uh, Roman. He's like, "Fair enough." Yeah, it's like good word. Like the work that Sammy is doing with Roman is just nothing short of fantastic. And I I love how Sammy brought up an interview that Roman had. God, I want to say it was either with Ryan Satin or Chris Vanvillet that. Uh, they were asking about like, is there somebody on the roster that you know, if you got more time would like really steal the show? And Roman says it's like a couple of years ago. He's like Sami Zayn. He goes, and it's this great 
thing that he put Sammy over. And Sammy reshared that. He goes, well, CJ, I mean, he kind of knew what he was talking about way back when. And look, here we are. Like, it's fantastic. I love this. I'll, I'll, I love I'll send this to you. So I can't wait. I cannot wait till Friday to see. Because Jey Uso, yeah, he got a little laugh. But I think the Tribal Chief's not going to be happy. He gave him the motive that, that Sammy had to win. Yeah. Sammy didn't win. So we'll see where that goes. So I, I love the storytelling there. Let's get to the first return. Because mm. we had returns. Yes, we did. So uh, the Judgment Day came out, beat down Rey Mysterio. Did their thing, then all of a sudden, Finn Balor turns his attention to AJ Styles. Well, I'm going to give you another chance. You're wearing on my patience. You need to join. Doesn't get too far. AJ comes out. AJ gets in the ring. You know, t- basically says, "I've been thinking about it, and you know, I, I, you know, I can't go at it alone. I need, I need brothers around me. So, you know, about da da your fan. You know, I need fan. You know, what you need is your family. Family has to be around you. Yeah, pulled a straight fucking down Toretta, right? Mm-hmm. So then. <laughs> Finn takes uh, AJ gets on his knee at one point. Finn takes that as it gives him a hug is talking about, I, I'm glad you joined us. Glad you finally saw it our way. The crowd is kind of like, cause we had heard rumors earlier in the day. So the crowd's like, well, maybe the rumors weren't true. He's joining judgment. This is fucking weird. And then all of a sudden AJ lifts the mic to his mouth and goes, I wasn't talking about you. And the music hits, which we haven't heard before. New music. Yeah, I, like, I did dig the new music by the way. And it's Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows. The good brothers have returned to WWE. So that means the club is back and they got in the ring and the judgment day did not look too happy. Finn Balor starts running his mouth about how I made you and da, 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 da. And then the brawl goes on and the club gets the upper hand, obviously. Yes. Cause the club and they threw up the two suites, got the two suites up there, but the club is back. How you feeling about the return of the club? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Heard the rumblings that, you know, they were leaving and going to be free agents. And then to see them on WWE TV, I mean, perfect angle to bring them back. I do feel that this is going to be our Wall Games match. That's what I was going to say. I think we're going to get the club with Edge. Yes. Taking on the Judgment Day. And I think their last partner is going to be Rey Mysterio. And the reason why is not because he's joining Judgment Day, but he wants to protect his son. Yes, I agree with you, too. I was going to say the same thing. I fully think that's going to happen. It's a reluctant partner. Yep, but he wants to protect his son, so he's going to go in there because he knows Edge wants to hurt him. Yeah. And it's going to be the club and Edge. I think this is perfect. You know what would be even better? If they allow Beth Phoenix and Rhea Ripley to wrestle in this one too. That would be awesome. Yeah. I would mark for that. Yeah. Uh, On top of this, I thought it was a good return. Of course, Carl Anderson is the never openweight champion in uh, New Japan. New Japan retweeted the return to WWE. Oh. A bunch of New Japan talent was uh, throwing stuff out there. And we have heard, it has now been confirmed, that Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows will be returning to Japan for all of their book dates through Wrestle Kingdom. That's amazing. So I, it's not necessarily that Carl Anderson. I think Carl Anderson is going to face Tom Matanga at, for the never openweight title at Wrestle, uh, Wrestle Kingdom is my short pick. And that's probably where he'll drop the belt. But it's cool that uh, WWE and uh, New Japan have come to that agreement. I love the fact that Jay White did a press conference too and was explaining about like how the club is now all over the world. And he's like, now it's finally in WWE. Like He didn't come out and say WWE, but he's like, it's finally. The Bullet Club, yeah. He's basically like, yep, how? We, we run wrestling. The Bullet Club runs wrestling is what he was saying. Could you imagine? I mean, granted, this is super fantasy booking. But Jay White comes out and just gives a two-sweet to them as they're going to the cage for war games. It'd be great if he even was in War Games. I, That'd be fucking everybody would mark out. I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. But you're talking about forbidden doors. Holy shit. Yeah, just all of a sudden you see Bullet Club members come rolling through there, just give them a two sweet as they walk to the ring. 
some 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 lucky dealer will be getting a lot of money from a certain person in the Jacksonville area that night because it'll, it'll be a rough night. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's one more thing to talk about on Raw though. Yes. And I would say it's the next big thing. Huh? Mm-hmm. So your United States champion Bobby Lashley, who was scheduled to have a match with Seth frickin' Rollins for the United States title, which did happen. Yes. Comes out first to cut a promo. And he cuts a promo. Very good. By the way, very good promo from Lashley. Bobby's getting so like, good. Like he's now. getting comfortable in there. And he's he basically said, Hey, listen, I'm the you know, I'm the most dominant man in, in WWE. And it's not Roman. I've beat Roman. It's not Seth. I've beat Seth. It's not, you know, Riddle, whoever. You name them, I beat everybody. There's nobody left. I beat everybody, proving that I'm the top dog here. And this U.S. title is worth more than anything because I own it. And as he's getting ready to say something else, we get a familiar sound. That... And holy shit, Brooklyn lost his mind. Yeah. Nobody fucking knew the Beast was coming back. The Beast incarnate. Fucking Brock fucking Lesnar yep. comes to the ring. Crowd's going nuts because this is the match we've all dreamed about. And they had that little three-way they did in a short match before, but we've all wanted that one fucking big match. Yeah. So all of us are on bated breath. Like, holy shit, we're going to be. So Brock gets in the ring looking cowboy as fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, remember when he took the shots about cowboy shit? Hangman Page was smart enough not to say shit. Yep. Don't fuck with Brock Lesnar. Yeah. So Brock gets in the ring, and he says hi to the Brooklyn fans, thanks him. You know, being jovial Brock, as we we, we all know and love him as, has a little stare-down moment with Bobby, the, the anticipation, you could cut it with a knife. He says Bobby Lashley, and then he fucking throws the mic at him, and boom, F5. Then boom, Suplex City. Then Kimura Lock. Yeah. And then another weird triangle. Like, basically, he stretched the shit out of Bobby Lashley. Mm-hmm. And we got the eye, and the crowd, by the way, one more time, one more time. They were they were all behind this. And uh, Seth Rollins, not to be outdone. Uh, as soon as Brock clears the ring, <laughs> Seth comes out and goes, oh, we, we have a match now, man. If you're a man, you said you're the man, you'd fight me even after that. You'd fight me. By, by the way, nice little 10-minute match. Yeah. At the end of the day, though, your new United States champion, Seth freaking Rollins, I love that they showed their hand a little bit to have Bobby lose, but... I liked it because now it doesn't make Bobby look weak. Right. He took the beat down from Brock. He loses the belt. Now there's nothing on the line. So now we can pave the way for Brock versus Bobby, which we all want to see in a big time fucking match. And then and you don't know who's going to win that match because there's nothing on the line. Yeah. I love it. Bobby Lashley, of course, said in the back after, very angry with Brock Lesnar, says, next week you better show up because uh, we're going to have, I got some words for you. So we're going to find out next week on Raw where it's going. I think that they're going to do it at Crown Jewel. Uh, they're trying to make me turn into the show is what they're trying to do, Ken M. I'm telling you now. I know. It's scary. It's fucking working, too, because I'm probably going to tune into this show. I know. I, I, I'm still fighting it, but I think. Uh, it's going to happen. I think Especially it's if happen. Brock and Lashley happens. Yeah, that, I got to watch that But one. I'm going to give a kudos to Triple H. He knows the temp in the room. He knows a lot of people aren't happy about these shows, but he also knows the money that's on the line as a businessman. And so what he's going is, hey, the previous regime just treated these like house shows and they weren't important. Nobody gave a shit. How about we make people give a fuck about the show? And no matter how you feel about shit politically or whatever, just tune in for a good wrestling show for that night and enjoy it. Yeah. I think that he's doing the right things here, in my opinion. I agree with you. I think he's been very smart about it. And obviously he's given the fans something they've been waiting to see for years. Dude fucking great so raw very good yes very good follow-up to extreme rules i'm super excited about where things are going going into next week god damn is there anything you want to add in closing for the main event 
Uh, WWE had a great weekend going into Monday night and obviously kicking off the season premiere. Can't wait to see SmackDown this week. Give it, give me more Bray Wyatt. I'm here for it. I'm absolutely there. Give me more QR codes and all sorts of crazy yep. shit. Let's do it. Let's get weird. All right. Well, that's the end of the main event of 607 TWS. But before we go, Ken M, tell these fine folks one more time how to find yourself in the ODPH podcast. Very simple. Going to keep it short and sweet. ODPH podcast. Dot com. And of course, for the 3FN podcast, I'm also keeping it short and sweet. 3FNpodcast.com, all the information's there. Check it out. In a minute, we're going to close this show down like we always do with our good friend Second Suitor. And the, and the song is called One Winged Angel. Please check them out on Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp. Before we go next week, we will be previewing the next weekend of GCW shows. We'll be giving you the All Elite Wrestling news and any highlights that happen. We'll be talking WWE and Bray Wyatt and so much more, depending upon what happens in this week, is depending upon what we'll talk about. But until then, for myself, for Ken M, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later wrestling fans! Top ropes, one, two.